0: You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 5, Episode 2. Today's guest, Devin Bailey, career and leadership coach, who comes to this coaching profession with really tremendous insights, having gone through his own journey. Ready to hear more about Devin and how he approaches his clients and how he approaches leadership? Let's get started hello hello and welcome to the meet mediocrity podcast season five episode two it's mitch and i'm happy to be with all of you you know listen you know that i just completed season four of the Meet Mediocrity podcast a few weeks ago, and that entire season was devoted to things I wish, Mitch wishes, that he knew, I knew, when I started my career. Um, Because there are a lot of things that I've gotten much better at. (laughs) Uh, Things like how to carry on conversations and how to find a career direction that suited you and how to be a better business writer and a better um, communicator. All of these things that I've grown over the years to be good at, but, but there are some tricks that I wish I knew when I started my career. And the entire season four, 10 episode season, uh, all completely focused on things I wish I knew when I started my career, hoping to share tidbits that would be useful for people who are just starting their career, but also for people who've been in their career for quite some time and have areas in which they'd like to improve. Now, why am I revisiting season four when we're here we are already squarely into season five or already on our second episode? Here's why, because today I found a guest named Devin Bailey, and Devin struck me literally because he came up on my LinkedIn profile as someone who I might know, and for some reason LinkedIn thought I might know him because we both worked at the same firm at a period of time. So we don't both work at the same firm today, but we did at one point. Um, He also lives in New Jersey. I live in New York. So geographically, we're kind of close to each other. So LinkedIn and its um, super intelligent algorithm decided I might know Devin. So I looked him up. And not only does he not work at the same place I do, but he had a pretty interesting profile um, where he describes himself um, as follows. I'm going to read it. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm certainly going to read the beginning of it because it's intriguing. It says, In 2014, my world fell apart. My life had become unmanageable and I broke down. I was faced with an impossible choice. Give up and lose everything I had spent my career building or face my demons and rebuild. And what he, what I discovered, what Devin discovered, changed the course of his life forever. Now, I, I, I'm not going to go on, um, but, but you get the gist. Devin worked in a serious, challenging, demanding, Professional services firm in a professional services career. And he was proud of it. It defined him. It was how he uh, classified success. And frankly, it wore him out, wore him out to the point where he had a breakdown. And he'll tell the story about his turnaround from that breakdown, but also the insights he had and the direction that he took to become an executive coach. And it says on his LinkedIn profile, I, Devin Bailey, help stressed overachievers become fearless leaders. So i am invited Devin to join me, not because we used to work at the same firm, but because I've been a stressed overachiever in my career. I no longer consider myself a stressed over achiever. I consider myself a balanced achiever um, or a leader. Um but there was points in my career earlier on where I f- believed I was a stressed over achiever and if there was someone like Devin Bailey who can help me through his knowledge and his experiences who could have helped me overcome that stress, overcome that desire to overachieve and would have helped me find the balance and the direction I needed to be in a great spot earlier. Well, that would have been something or someone I wish I knew when I started my career. So there ties, the, the, the tie back to season four, this is the type of thing. Devin is the type of person that can actually be an incredible resource to anyone who's in a challenging career. And let's face it, in the world of 2021, 2022, and, and, and this time frame, with COVID, with a changing work environment, with things called the Great Resignation, because people are leaving their work, these sorts of things are, are, are real. And someone like Devin can really help us deal with those sorts of challenges. So I've stolen plenty of thunder here, but I wanted to tie it all back to um, some of the things I've been focusing on in the podcast and some of the things you can get out of this episode. And I feel like I've taken up plenty of time. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Devin Bailey. So Devin, thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So so it's very interesting. You kind of randomly came across my computer. I think it was, I think it might've been LinkedIn because, you know, you look at LinkedIn and you've got these like stodgy profile faces of people like Mitch and it's like, look at Mitch in his like suit and tie and then there's like Devin, who's like out there with a big character. Like I'd even meet you and I'm like, I want to meet this guy. He's got a big character, a big personality. And I hadn't even spoken to you. Now I've spoken to you. I'm even more intrigued. So welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Can we start by, start with the present? Tell me a little bit about what you do. Then we'll, we'll get, dig a little bit more into your background and how you do what you do. But why don't we start today? Tell us a little bit about your coaching business and what you do.
1: Well, first of all, I love that intro and thank you. It's always nice to, to realize that you had an impact on someone without meeting them. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. So what I'm doing today is, you know how many people in their jobs are stressed out, burnt out, and feel trapped? I would say
0: the vast majority.
1: Well, I work with those folks to help them not feel like crap anymore and to actually design their life the way they want it.
0: Well, uh, it's interesting. Are are your so you talked about, you just, I mean, we just started talking, but you said shrap that, and, and, you know, I feel like I'm reading the papers today and it seems to be an employees market. Like people, are quitting their jobs because they're like, life is short. COVID taught us that. I'm going to quit. Or if I don't like where I'm working, someone else will hire me. Have you seen that in your recent
1: conversations? So yes and no. I definitely have seen it amongst younger clients where I think, and this is a sweeping generalization, but I think people to your point are realizing that it's too short. There's opportunities. Now's the time to try it. And they're moving around. Yes, I've also seen the opposite too with some of the more senior folks. Where, sure, you may not be trapped in as much as you could go get another job, but you are trapped, in my humble opinion, by your programming. In that, it's the level of success that you continue to attain within your career that determines your self worth. So whilst you may be able to bounce around between companies or do different roles, you're trapped because you're only as good as your next promotion, your pay raise, what car you drive, how big your house is, how much more money than your friends you earn. That's the trap. That's the emotional prison, as I call it, that I'm referring to that I was very much trapped within.
0: Yeah, I can run down that rabbit hole with you and and talk for a few hours about that very point. Yeah. Um so maybe what we do is is write it down like I just did. Let's <laughs> and let's come back to that because cuz that whole being defined um and being emotionally and being financially trapped by your career success is quite a common problem. Yeah. And so I'd like to explore that more. Um, But before we do, you kind of had your own journey and your own epiphany that kind of led you to even doing this. So why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Right. So I'll I'll go back to teenage years real quick. I promise this won't be a hugely long story. So I was really, really into sport. I was a semi-pro rugby player. Um, I hung up my boots because that career journey didn't quite work out for me after a number of concussions and and nasty injuries. And I went off to university and I studied chemistry of all things. It was what I enjoyed when I was at high school and really got into academia. But then, then this thing called money really got my attention. And whilst I was approved for and accepted to do a PhD in this very cool, interesting quantum theory project, like real kind of cerebral academia. I was just drawn to the big smoke. I was drawn to London. I wanted to get involved in business and I wanted to create success. And when I say success, read money, wealth, because for a number of different reasons, I chose money as my measure of importance and significance and value and worth which is not uncommon no so i went and i went into the auditing world i i thought that working for a a large reputable firm um, in the auditing space would be a great way to learn about business Mm -hmm. and roll the clock forward 13 years and a whole bunch of hypnotic rhythm and just going with the flow uh, i found myself Collapsed in the stairwell of my offices and experiencing an extreme and acute physiological response, what I now call a nervous breakdown.
0: So but wait a minute, you, you literally did. You literally did. You yeah. literally had a breakdown.
1: Oh, literally physically collapsed in the stairwell. I was in a vegetative state for about 24 hours after that episode.
0: Panic, I mean, stress induced. Yes, Yes, although I would love to jump in
1: and say I'm absolutely not pointing the finger at anyone except me. Uh, I don't believe everyone, that
0: it, everyone, yeah. everyone handles stress differently. Yeah. And, and no one should be um, viewed at differently because of the way they handle stress. And, and so, look, there are some people who are in incredibly stressful situations and they're cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And there are others who are in mildly stressful situations and they have complete panic attacks. Yeah, it's all relative, yeah. Right, so, so, so I, I'm with you, and, and I wouldn't blame you nor the party or parties that might have caused it. I'm with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, let's just say, was a defining moment. <laughs> you know, you experience something like that, and even if you're not religious, spiritual, or, you know, that way inclined, it, it definitely appears as though life is trying to send you a message of some kind yeah and it was in the depths of that experience when frankly mitch everyone thought i was gonna quit my career go back to the uk at this point i was in the u.s uh and you know give up on life and go flip burgers somewhere that was oh. yeah, so so
0: that was the stress you were in the united states for goodness sake no i'm yeah. kidding
1: in, <laughs> in, in, in new york city yeah yeah um, Running a global audit for a very large accounting firm, yeah, Um, a little bit demanding. Yep, Uh, sure. But but the truth is, I realised in that moment, and this is the pivot into personal development, um, and and the point in the journey I really wanted to share is, I realised in that moment that if I wanted my life to change, I had to change. Right. Because obviously, for thirteen years previously, I'd been desperately trying to control all the people, places, and things around me to get them just the way Devin wanted them so that Devin could feel the way he wanted to. And I realized in that moment that that was a poor strategy. It clearly hadn't worked for right. me.
0: Right. So you had your life moment, your epiphany, your pivot, Yeah. and you, you, you didn't wake up after 24 hours in a vegetative state and say, I'm going to be a business coach or a personal development coach. So tell me how you went from from A to B.
1: So actually it was um, (laughs) life's intervention again. It was a a person that showed up um, and it happened in Orlando International Airport of all places where about six months later, and very quickly approaching a repeat performance of said Stairwell experience. And I'm sat in the airport about to fly home to New York City. I'd been at a conference for a week where I was teaching and it so happened that it was the week after a vacation. You know how tough it is when you come back from vacay and you're trying to dig out of your inbox? Well, imagine you can't dig out of your inbox because you're busy teaching at a conference. I
0: have been in that precise seat in that precise airport under those precise precise circumstances so <laughs> I fun. can relate to that keep going
1: and I'm sat there and I am just oh it's quite sad honestly it's quite sad I look back and smile lovingly at myself but it was quite sad you know I'm focused on everything that's going wrong and how unfair this is and I'm really playing the victim really like get your violent lens out for me I can joke about it now but at the time it was it was acutely painful and every click of the mouse every click of the keyboard i'm feeling more and more trapped and stuck and i've got to do something different i don't know what i've got to make change where am i going to go and i just suddenly had this desire to look up and in the distance, walking into the kind of gate area before I boarded the plane was this lovely young woman. And I felt a, a real sense of attraction. I don't mean um, kind of sexual attraction. I mean, just like a, a kid who is watching the TV when he's supposed to be doing his homework, like a kind of can't not look.
0: It's kind of like, look, and you're like, this person is someone who I wish I was speaking to. She's got something to say.
1: Yeah. Which is, yeah. I know it's really odd. I mean, uh, it's not wait. odd. I get it. And of course, even though she's hundred yards away, which seat does she come and choose to sit in? The one directly opposite me. And I remember her sitting down and dropping her bag. She was carrying a whole bunch of bags. And she looked up at me and smiled and I smiled back. And then she said, do you like reading? And I said, yeah, sure I do. And she said, I have a book for you and she leaned into a bag and she pulled out a copy of a book actually um, it, it's a book called pivot um, and I flip it over very much I'm sat there thinking about how I need to change direction in life and I need to think differently and reprogram myself and what am I going to do it's in exactly what the book's about. It's talking about how you reinvent yourself, what are the changes you need to make, how can you think differently, taking back command of your mind, all kinds of stuff. And I'm just utterly shocked by the like,
0: Like a movie. Like a like movie. A, like
1: a silly, ridiculous movie. Yeah. Yep. And we get to talking a little bit. I open up a little bit. She talks about the fact that she's just come from some personal development event. And clearly she could see I was a little bit surprised by the conversation. And And i paused she paused and she looked at me and she said you know we met for a reason right and i just got chills down my spine and it was it was in that moment Mitch. i literally i looked up and i went okay all right i heard that okay you got my attention and i said to her where do i start and she said straight between the eyes she said rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki (laughs) Don't ask me why, and no, I, I, I am in real estate, but not in the same way that Robert Kiyosaki is. It it was just the first literature I ever read that challenged the status quo and made me think, oh, there's other ways to generate income. There's other ways to make a deal. There's other things to focus on in life. There are other paths beyond just the traditional education path. and I just adopted those principles in my life. And honestly, I just went from book to book to book, to course, to course, to course, to to event, to event, to event, to masterminds, to coaches. And over a period of two years, just completely rebuilt myself mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. I am 50 pounds lighter than I was when I arrived in the United States. And at the age of 37, almost 38, I am the leanest and strongest I have ever been in my life. Wow. All because I just started a process of challenging my beliefs, challenging the crap I'd been taught when I was a kid and deciding to make up my mind up for myself. And that led to just radical changes in my life, changing the relationships I had around me, changing the way I showed up in my job. And I always say I went from burnout, misery, enduring a nervous breakdown to being happy in the same job so if anyone ever wanted evidence that how you feel has nothing to do with what's going on around you and everything to do with what's going on inside of you there's your proof
0: but you didn't stay in that job i did for three years and you were transforming yourself mindset and otherwise during those three years yep and what happened one day you woke up and said i quit i'm going to become a coach uh pretty much but with a
1: couple of of steps before that so i will say those three years while i have my fair share of challenges just like anyone in a busy corporate space were the most impactful and influential i've ever had i would say i did less and achieved 10 times as much because with things like my meditation practice and and thinking differently and all the tools I, I developed and cultivated and acquired over the years, um, I became what, what I call an emotional ninja. That's, yep. that's the term I love, which is, you know, you sat in a boardroom, everyone's freaking out over an issue. And you're the one that sits there calmly saying, huh, how about we do this? And I, I can't, you know, cause you're calm and measured yourself, I can't tell people enough how impactful that is if 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 you learn to be calm amongst the chaos you become superhuman because everyone else is in their stress response losing it understandably no judgement but everyone else is in their stress response and can't come up with creative solutions only you can suddenly now you're you're a superhero so they were three of the most impactful productive and rewarding years i had as an employee
0: well now i get it because you actually transformed with a steady state, at least a steady state of work. Um, You saw the benefits of it and you, and you said to yourself, presumably I'd love to share this. There are other people out there suffering who, you know, with a little bit of uh, conversation and insight, I can help those people achieve more too. That's exactly what it was. With a big dollop of mission as well, it was less
1: i'd love to and more I have to I have month. to yeah I I, I I decided like no one no one gets to decide what anything means except you for you. I decided that it was my responsibility to share it
0: responsibility to others or responsibility to yourself
1: both and okay. also the, the the thing, the person the whatever else who gave me these capabilities I, I decided that. To do anything other than lean into this and to, to become the best I can be would be a profound insult to those who don't have these capabilities. Imagine being given a gift of some kind and then not using it. How insulting is that?
0: <laughs>
1: Whilst it isn't easy, and in fact, my life now has never been more complicated, more challenging, more uncertain, and with more hurdles, it's never been more magnificent because I'm living. I'm living.
0: There's nothing more fulfilling and I can say this based upon my own personal experiences is nothing more fulfilling than being able to do something that you are naturally good at and you naturally love to do because it almost becomes a continuous improvement process. Yeah. You're helping others. You're helping yourself. You're helping others. You're helping yourself. And that upon itself and that could be the lifeblood of the way of the way you operate
1: yeah I, I love that i i like to think that life supports whatever supports more of life you know it's a it's right. a self filling machine that's If right you're doing exactly. something that's contributing to the whole i think that things will line up for you people will show up to support you because so that you can do more of the thing that gives more you know why would you not
0: I'm going to sidetrack us, even though I never, uh, I didn't have this on my list of things, but I put something, I, 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 I have this podcast. I also have a newsletter that supports the podcast. And I wrote something in my newsletter this week that had a profound impact on me. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm riffing off of you with your self-fulfilling prophecy, Devin. I had someone actually say to me, I was, I was having a conversation, a pretty deep conversation about kind of like reaching a point in your life where, you know, you ask that kind of what's the purpose of life or what's the, how can I find the most meaning in my life? And this person said to me something I've heard a thousand times, but it it made a new meaning for me. And it said, focus on being grateful. Mm -hmm. He said, focus, if you focus on being grateful that it's pouring down rain when you meant to be outside at a picnic, but at least you feel healthy, or at least you had a good night's sleep or, you know, the dinner came out burnt, but you have something to eat. If you put a positive spin on everything and you're grateful, if you could find a way to be grateful about so many things in your life. It becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You feel better about everything, and other people catch that vibe and they feel better about you. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying about you moving into this kind of coaching field and, and giving that positive vibe and having it come back to you. I, I just had to go uh, and tell you that, Devin. See, how, I, I mean, I'm curious what your reaction is because it blew me away i've heard about be grateful say to say thanks and, and say grace at dinner like all the time but it took on a new meaning for me just just the last week
1: well, thanks for sharing that what what i what i love about that is the way you applied it in a practical way for you because like you in that last bit there where you said you've heard about Gratitude practices, et cetera. I do think it gets tiring, and certainly people would roll their eyes at me if I talk about the power of gratitude and got to be grateful and all that stuff because everyone's like, Yeah, 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 I get that, but this isn't the way I want it to be. That's not what you said. You, and I think the reason perhaps why it resonated with you so much is for whatever reason it clicked in a practical way, right? You know, and and because I think it, I'm not someone who believes that you should do positive affirmations that are like burying your head in the sand, you know, you're feeling really sad and you go, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. That's, that's not, no. that, that's called ignorance. Right. But I right. think, I believe honestly, that even when terrible things happen, there is always something in your life to be grateful for. Maybe not with respect to that event, but there's always something. And if focusing on the thing that you're grateful for makes you feel good, Whereas focusing on the bad, so-called bad thing makes you feel bad, which one makes sense to focus on?
0: And that's not head in the stand, and that's not um, no. being you know, blind to bad things.
1: No, I, I 100% agree. And to go one stage further, I would say it's our job to go feel better real quick so that when you come back around to the so-called problem, you approach it in a different way so that's not me saying ignore the problems that's not me saying get over yourself and everyone's got problems. I'm not, I'm not belittling or undermining any issues i'm saying don't you want to be up above the line positive in a creative space when you approach a problem I I, I honestly, Mitch, I think that's the name of the game, is we have to clean up our thinking and our state, our emotional state or our mood, if you want to call it that, before we approach things. Whereas most of us approach things, expect a certain outcome, and then when we don't get it, we, we continue to be sad or down or deflated. You've got to get up first, then when you approach it, you are infinitely more likely to get the result you want. That is the secret sauce.
0: Well, <clears throat> glad we stumbled upon that, Devin. Um, I'd like to explore that a little bit further. One of the things I did write down that I did want to speak with you about is some of the people who you coach, because um, you said to me, I, I'm sure this is a paraphrase, but you said, well, um, often people come to you, ask you to solve a problem, but it's th- they've got the problem wrong. Or or something like that. Yeah. Um. So you're coaching you're coaching people today, Devin. Yeah. Um. And tell me a little bit about this kind of come because and I'm going to tell you I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna riff on this a bit, but first I want to hear from you. Tell me a little bit about this coming to you with the problem and trying to solve what might actually be the wrong problem.
1: Yeah, I I love that point. And essentially, we all have things in our life that we kind of wish were a little bit different yep. uh, maybe we have behaviors or reactions to things that we'd like to get rid of or maybe we're feeling a sense of lack somewhere and often it gets to the point where that pain becomes untolerable therefore we finally step in and say we're going to take action and maybe in this case we're talking about hiring someone who has the result you want in that space so they can help you manage it what i've found without exception Uh, in my coaching relationships is the thing we focus on initially and the thing we fix isn't the real underlying problem it's it's the iceberg analogy it's what's sticking through the top that you can see but fundamentally it's something a lot deeper related but a lot deeper sometimes it can be a surprising angle like uh, one client in particular was feeling you know, overwhelmed, stressed, distracted, spread too thin, wanted to be more calm and measured when making big decisions, was going through a kind of transition in, in his career uh, as a leader in a large organization. And actually, really, the, the biggest problem he had was that he wasn't showing up in his marriage the way he wanted to.
0: And he was, I mean, right, it was, it was, he was taking it out on himself or others in his career? He just, yeah, he
1: wasn't being present, attentive and making enough space. He wasn't being the person he wanted to be in that relationship. And as a default, because that's so difficult and hard and scary and don't know how to fix it, would just default to spending more time working, spending more time solving problems in an area where you can be effective and therefore overloading.
0: That, that is a scary proposition to... A, a scary journey to go on with a client or a coachee. Yeah. Um, I don't want, obviously, you can't divulge um, personal information, but how do you get there in a way that works for the coachee? Curiosity. Always curiosity.
1: Uh, I, I, in fact, I have to remind myself, of, sorry correction. I get to remind myself often that it's not about me. And by the way, I hate to break it to your listeners, but I don't know all the answers. You don't know all the answers. The the person in the hot seat, (laughs) you you know your life better than anyone. Um, It's our job to be a presence, uh, a safe space for people we we care about and people we we serve to help them figure it out. I, I would be foolish and supremely arrogant to suggest that I know the answers. Sure, there's patterns that show up over and over again. There's only so many patterns, especially if you focus on a particular niche, uh, but I don't know the answers. So the the approach, the strategy is is curiosity um, and, and asking more and more insightful questions. And the client will will go there. The, the, the client subconsciously knows what the problem is. They they know. Um, and it's just about building that trust and that rapport and creating a safe space for it to, to come out.
0: I love that. I um, I have someone, I'm going to change um, the circumstances a little bit uh, to be safe, but I have someone who I'm coaching at work who wants to get a promotion. And this person is highly competent in their profession. But um, not everyone likes working with this person. They, they, they. um, People, people above him uh, find him to be uh, a little bit too cocky, and people below him find him to be a little bit too bossy. And this person sitting there saying, "I'm, I'm, I check all the boxes in terms of competence." And this is these people's inability to uh, react well with a strong personality is, is costing me, but a strong personality is actually a good thing. And um, I'm kind of struggling because my sense is that, um, you know, you kind of, this, this, this person knows what their weakness is, but, or knows what, what's holding them back. In, in from this potential promotion. Um, but rather than figuring out how they can potentially adjust, they're putting it on other people's inability to accept them. How do you deal with something like that, Devin? That's not that uncommon. No, it's not. So two things come up for me.
1: Um, one of them is practical. One of them is a bit tough love. Okay. The practical one is... At the end of the day, our behaviors day in and day out are governed primarily by us attempting to meet our needs, whether that's the need for certainty, the one that comes out so much in the space you and I both operate in the corporate world or the client service world is significance. We all unfortunately are governed by the desire for a feeling of importance. We all want to be revered. We all want to be celebrated. We all want to be patted on the back. And that's great. Um, I don't know of anyone who's done, who's put a dent in the universe who wasn't driven to a certain extent by significance. But it's also an incredibly slippery slope. Uh, You know, put it this way, someone's life is primarily governed by significance versus someone's life who's primarily governed by the need to be of service to others. Radically different existence. So I would guess that this person's This person is behaving in certain ways to meet their needs for significance and certainty, probably, which by the way, are the two that will screw you up the most because nothing's certain and there's always someone more significant than you. (laughs) So if that individual can reflect on the needs that they're attempting to meet and find other ways to meet them in a more empowering way uh, i would be willing to bet that it will soften their behavior and interaction with others that that's the practical um, piece and that would need exploration with the client the second thing which is a bit of a tough love reaction is it's not about you it's just not it's not about you. You, you want others to re- react positively to you. You think they're standing in your way. You've forgotten that you share this life with others, and it's not about you. Your life is not about you. It's about the lives of everyone you touch. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be.
0: We're all connected.
1: We're all connected. Yeah, quit being a jerk. Quit making it about you. I, I would go as far as saying real simple sentence. When we make it about us, we suffer.
0: When we make it about ourselves, we suffer. We suffer.
1: Think of any situation when someone's upset you, you're disgruntled, you're disappointed, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're feeling put upon, you're feeling inadequate, you feel like you're not enough, any of those horrible shitty states that we hate to feel, what is the one key thing that's common amongst all of them? We're making it about ourselves. Right. Think now about the states that are just incredible and expensive. Love, compassion, warmth, excitement, all of those amazing feelings. What are you thinking about? Others that's- and where you're going and what's what's possible so don't make it about you
0: it seems so obvious devin yet all these people need coaching it's amazing
1: as do i (laughs) i have have four of them in my life to to call me out on my bullshit and keep me (laughs) on straight and narrow we 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 all do like i'm not stood here pretending like you or I are perfect, Uh, we're human, sorry. (laughs) Um, It's just that when we're consciously aware of it and we know this information, we have the knowledge, we have the practices, we are so much better equipped to handle these demands. I I don't think there is a version of the future where in the corridors of corporate America, we are all bliss bunnies floating around, hugging and high-fiving each other without a care in the world. There is no way. No way. But there is, I believe, in my soul, a version of the future where leaders—and there's a difference between leaders and people in authority, by the way—leaders have the knowledge and the practices necessary to handle those demands and navigate challenges with grace. That I absolutely believe, because no one teaches this stuff in school. You know, when we were born, we weren't handed a manual. And go, oh, there's the user manual for this brain and body suit. We don't know. We just picked it up over time from from people who who were doing the best they could. So that's the piece for me that's missing is these concepts and the practices that you can employ daily to stay in these more positive and uplifting states will radically change the way you show up, the way you behave, and the way you can positively influence others.
0: So devin you've just given us through this conversation a ton of insight into how you would approach coaching um, and how you would approach um, you know giving people some good um, advice and and helping them. I want to explore one final thing, and that is um, you talked about people feeling stress. Um, about their jobs, um, focusing on—and you said this yourself—you focused on things like success, and success being defined financially, um, you know, perhaps in terms of title or responsibility, um, and, and you know, people getting too caught up in that kind of career cycle. I've also—and and, you—you coach people like that. You—you co- know—you were like that, and now you coach people like that. Today, what I'm reading is that. You know, people. There are a lot more people than ever who are reevaluating. You know, work-life balance. Life is short. You know that that maybe maybe I really don't need to put as much into my career. Um, my question is: Is the world changing in terms of the advice that you're you're needing to tell people with? Um, or is this a temporary thing? Or is this just kind of a, a Kind of a small tweak on on what we've always dealt with. I mean, what's your take on this? I love this question.
1: So this is something I struggle with. I'm gonna be brutally honest with you, because off the back of what I just said, you know, it's not about you, it's about the luck there is very much a me first, what about me attitude behind this shift, which I love and respect because people are looking after number one, because at the end of the day, no one else is gonna look after you. Right. What I what I struggle with is that the logical next step is sometimes missing. And that is, I'm going to clean up, I'm going to clean house, I'm going to be the best possible version I can. Why? So that I can go out and serve others, as opposed to just have fun and have an easy life. I I, I struggle with that. So
0: Mm.
1: sometimes, uh, and again, forgive me for the sweeping generalization, sometimes it's amongst the perhaps younger um, generations, or maybe those who are coming into the workforce, just now, it is very much me first, again, I I respect that from the perspective of you are not a possession, there is no price for for ownership for you, and it is is really important that you live your best life, but I kind of wish that we all focused on how we can be of service to others. I think that's a great barometer. The second part of this, which is also a struggle is I don't think it's temporary. I really think the way that we are organized and the way that we go to market is changing and will continue to change. For example, in my organization, I have a number of people who help me and support me. None of them are employees. They're all freelancers. Right. Now, I run a small organization compared to a, a, an accounting giant or a big law firm, yep. but does it make sense for every single role within your organization to be filled by a full-time employee? Right. Uh, you know, the, the workforce of the future is definitely going to be organized and structured differently. Not to mention remote working versus on-site working. So I don't think it's a blip. I think it is a fundamental shift. I would just urge all of us to focus on when you get yourself in a good state, when you structure your life the way it works for you, how can you take that out there and do good with it?
0: Right. Right. I love that. And, you know, I feel, I feel like This is a a fundamental society issue, and I don't know exactly where it will land. I do think, um, you know, COVID has gotten people thinking, you know, how do they fit in? um, Where, you know, how should they live their lives? On the other hand, people are going to need to make money. And so like, it's funny because I speak to so many people, like we can't find good people. People are resigning, people are choosing different lifestyles, but eventually people are going to need money. They might need less money. They might need, they might live differently, but they're going to need money. And so if they can take this experience and come back to the workforce in a way that's more productive for both themselves and others, which is what this whole conversation has been about, I think we'll be in a much better place. But I think time will tell.
1: I, I 100% agree with you, I, and I think it's important to maintain our our perspective around mutual benefit. You know, it, it, it's about it's about the the greater good, the optimizing for the whole, and serving one another and our clients the best we can, as opposed to simply me first.
0: So, Devin, as we wrap this up. Um, just tell us a little bit. I'm going to put this in the show notes, and I'm going to um, make a comment about this in the intro. Um, but tell us a little bit about you know where we can find information about you. What kind? What kind of people would benefit from from speaking with you? Um, you know, let's give let's give listeners a chance to reach out.
1: I would love that. Thank you. So I'd say two best places to go to to find me: LinkedIn, and just search for Devon Bailey, or search for the Unshakables. Yep which is my uh, my program uh, otherwise go to devonbailey.com there's a whole bunch of information there on my site around my story and and testimonials and some of the programs i run and we have some upcoming live events as well those, those would be the two best places linkedin and and then my website devonbailey.com in terms of people i work with it's generally corporate executives uh what i call upcoming leaders um, and actually i'm starting to work with some new entrepreneurs as well because Of course, me jumping ship from the corporate world into working for myself brought a whole bunch of new challenges for me to navigate my way through and apply uh, all this knowledge and, and practice to. So folks who feel like they want more out of life, folks who are starting to question whether being happy on a Friday night, sad on a Monday morning makes sense for them anymore. And I would like to throw out there one thing. Folks often think, myself included, years ago, that it is a new role within the same company, changing companies, or changing career entirely. I would say, not yet. You don't need to decide whether you stay or go right now. You need to do the inner work first.
0: Which is I, what you did. Which is what yeah. you did.
1: And, I, I, I actually, and yes, I practice what I preach. I, at the time, one of my coaches said the most obscure thing to me. Uh, and I get it now. She said, you can leave your job just as soon as you learn to love it. And she was on the money. It took three years for me because I was doing it from scratch on my own. Wow. Um, and I left on wonderful terms with a big smile on my face and excitement for the future. That for me, there's a big difference between. Leaving because you don't want something and you're turning your back on it versus leaving because you're moving towards something you want. It's a two millimeter distinction, but it's massive.
0: It's got to change everything because you're, you're, you're pivoting full steam ahead instead of pivoting on your heels.
1: Exactly. I couldn't have put it better myself. That's exactly right. So folks who are looking for more, uh, I'm telling you that it's some programming that we need to work on and it's, it's a relatively quick fix. And then we can decide what to do out there in the real world.
0: Well, Devin, let me just let me just say, your LinkedIn page is what caught my attention. We had a conversation. You haven't disappointed at all. Um, we will definitely stay in touch for sure. But also, I will definitely point people to devinbailey.com. There's a lot of great information on there, and you're a great person to speak with. Um, I wish you much success. Um, you're going to be a resource for me for time to come. Beautiful. Thank you again for having me. Absolute pleasure. I've loved it. All right, Devin. Take care. Well, there you have it. There's my conversation with Devin. And you can see, first of all, so Devin is a high-energy guy, clearly. He's well-spoken. He's He's, um, motivational. Um, But I find him to be substantive. You know, not just someone who's throwing out buzzwords and... Being a cheerleader and being the king of positivity. No, I think a combination of, of his personal experiences and his personal epiphanies, as well as coaching others, has put him in a really great position to help people find their way through the stress, through the hamster wheel of overachieving, to find. Not necessarily an easier life, not necessarily a different life, just to find some perspective on their career, on their priorities, at least work priorities, what they're doing, and how to tweak them, potentially change them, but definitely tweak them to make it a better fit for his clients. So anyway, thank you, Devin. Appreciate the conversation. And, um, just shifting gears a second, I just want to remind everyone that Meet Mediocrity podcast season five is, is now finishing episode two right here. That puts us into the middle of December. We will have one more episode prior to the Christmas and new year break. So that will be, um, episode three completed in December. We'll take a two week break for the holiday. And we'll ramp it right back up in early January. Um, it's not too late. We do have, I think we might have limited colors, but we have all sizes left of Meet Mediocrity t-shirts. So all you have to do is send me a direct message on Instagram at MeetMediocrity, Mediocrity, and I will send you free of charge before Christmas. A meat mediocrity t-shirt for you or your favorite meat mediocrity fan. Um, in other news, we've got a tremendous lineup of guests. Today's episode was number 87 in terms of total podcast episodes. Season five will help us reach a hundred episodes later in the season. So a very exciting season, and we appreciate you listening to us. So I like that. I like when I say we and us, even though it's me anyway. um, Until next time, please continue to stay safe and healthy in these challenging health times. Please stay positive. Stay well. Keep smiling and take care. Alrighty. Bye everyone.